Welcome to On Air with Amber Wynn, where nonprofit leaders learn to fuse passion and commitment with proven business strategies to create long-term funding, impact, and sustainability. And now, here's your host and resident philanthropist, Amber Wynn. Hey fam, it's me, Amber Wynn, your resident philanthropist. And I know I say this every time I start, but I seriously am. I am excited about today's topic because um, a lot of people don't view compliance as something as positive. For the next two episodes, we are going to cover compliance. Compliance part one and compliance part two. Uh, Compliance part one is compliance for your organization. I'm going to talk about things that put your 501c3 tax exempt status in jeopardy. And here's the thing. You can be a nonprofit without a tax exempt status because remember how you are formed says I am formed as a nonprofit. So you're a nonprofit. The issue is your tax exempt status. If you don't have your tax exempt status, then you don't have the ability to give funders and donors um, the ability to write that off. So you can still be a nonprofit and not have tax exempt status. But it's typically that that write-off that people want, and that's generally how you get those donations. So in the next two episodes, this one we're going to talk about compliance for the organization, and then the second episode we're going to talk about compliance for your programs. But before we get into all that, you know how we do, we're going to start with a, a, a short commercial with, from one of our sponsors, and then we're going to come back and dive into compliance and your tax-exempt status. Starting a new career in a new sector with unfamiliar job titles and new jargon can lead to frustration and burnout. What if you had an easy way to get up to speed to learn the key elements of successful nonprofits and the critical steps we should all take to maximize our impact? Introducing the Nonprofit Essentials Certificate, three short interactive courses that cover three critical areas. What makes a nonprofit a nonprofit? How nonprofits raise money? And skills needed to build a thriving career in the nonprofit sector. Interactive exercises and actionable advice from nonprofit experts help bring clarity to key concepts. And the end of the course exam tests your knowledge so you can earn a certificate and badge, and then quickly put your new knowledge into practice. The best part? The Nonprofit Essentials Certificate is 100% free. Thousands of learners have already earned their certificate, making this our most popular set of courses in Nonprofit Ready. Register at nonprofitready.org and get ready to accelerate your impact and your career. Welcome back. You're on air with Amber. And today we're talking about compliance, compliance for the nonprofit organization. Now, when people hear compliance, they get all freaked out because it's reporting and it's numbers and it's data. It is, but it's also a really important part of your fundraising strategy. Yes, your fundraising strategy. Um, Here's the thing. If you don't turn in your reports, if you don't maintain all of the reporting requirements for different entities, your organization is going to be um, placed in trouble. So 
When you think about compliance, I want you to start to think about it as a part of doing business, right? So it's the same as for a for-profit. You know that at the end of your fiscal year, you have to file taxes. Well, so does a nonprofit. A nonprofit is a business. It's just a business with a philanthropic purpose. So you have to report to the IRS. You have to report to the Secretary of State, the, the, the Franchise Tax Board, the Attorney General's Office. These are all entities that as a legal, functioning, viable nonprofit, you have to report to. So um, I have a checklist that I want you to be cognizant of, right? So you file your uh, 501c3, yay, 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 you got your tax exempt status. That's not the end of that. You are required by law to submit your 990s, which is the nonprofit's um, taxes, every year. And that's whether or not you generate any revenue. If you generate revenue under $50,000, then you submit what's called um, an, uh, a 990 postcard. It's an E-990. That has to be submitted every year. If you don't submit your 990s three years in a row, then the IRS will suspend your or revoke your tax exempt status. And when I tell you it is a beast to try to get reinstated, most times I just advise people start another nonprofit. That's how complicated it can be, depending on what's going on in your organization. But here's the thing. You don't want to get your tax exempt status revoked. Because what happens is the IRS places you on a list on their website and everybody knows that you've gotten um, your tax exempt taken away. And so for funders, grantors, grant makers, they don't fund nonprofits who don't have their tax exempt status. It doesn't benefit them. So it's important that you as the founder, as the executive director, are aware of whether or not your 990s are being filed. This is classic what happens. Oh my God, Amber, I need you to help me. My tax exempt status was revoked. Amber, oh no, I don't do that. <laughs> I don't do that. It's too complicated. You literally need um, a specialist. I'm not going to go so far as to say the CPA, but you may, you know what I mean? Um, a tax consultant for sure to try and fix that. So my thing is, Make sure that you do the right thing all the time so that you can avoid those situations. So let's talk a little bit about what's on this checklist. So Secretary of State, the document you need to submit is called your Statement of Information. And you file it within 90 days after the filing of the initial articles of incorporation and then biennially after that. If you don't file this um, biennially, then your organization can be suspended or you can have a loss of your tax exempt status. That's the secretary of state, the franchise tax board. The document that you would submit is your 199 e postcard. If your average gross receipts are 50,000 or less or form 199. If your gross receipts are more than $50,000. If you don't submit this to the franchise tax board, you can be fined, suspended, or again, you can lose your state tax exemption. Remember, you have tax exemption on the state level and you have tax exemption on the federal level. Also, 
A lot of people don't know this, but you are supposed to register with the attorney general's office, charitable trusts. Now, I'm going to say probably about 90% of the people who have nonprofits have never registered with the attorney general's office. But if you're fundraising in a state, you, you need to. That is the law. And if you don't, you can get penalized, right? So that's important. Two more. The internal revenue services. This is the one that people are familiar with, right? Oh, did you file your 990s? Because funders typically ask for a copy of your 990s. Well, you're supposed to file every year. Typically it's May 15th, but it just depends on when your fiscal year is. But if you don't, you can get fines. Um, and as I mentioned, failure to file for three years in a row, you'll get your tax exempt status um, revoked. And it's just a really, really rough road coming back from that. That's not to say it hasn't happened. I know a lot of people who've gotten their taxes and status re, um, reinstated. It just wasn't cheap. I think uh, the cheapest uh, one of my clients paid was $1,200. So you want to avoid that, especially if you are not generating any revenue. All you do is you go in and you click a button online and you say, check, whatever, right? Um and you, I think it may be $20, it just depends, but it's not worth it is where I'm going with that. And then finally, on the local city and county level, um, there are some business occupational taxes that you have to register for and pay for. It just depends on, you know, the function of your organization. But you need to consult your local government office because if not, you can be cited and you can get fines. So I am going to um, provide you a link to a free nonprofit state in compliance checklist so that you can make sure that you are staying within the confines of the law. Because here's the thing, just because you're not aware of the law doesn't mean that um, you're not held accountable to it. If you go before a judge and say, I didn't know that, they're like, yeah, that's not my problem. You are a business owner. And as a business owner, it is your responsibility to know which organizations you are responsible for staying in compliance with. And here's the thing. I want you to be in compliance. I want when they say to you, you know, give me a copy of your SI 100. Give me a copy. You have it. But if you don't know that you need it, then how can you have it? So we're here today making sure that you understand that compliance is a part of um, running and operating a successful nonprofit. Let's pause for a minute for another commercial, and then we'll be right back. This is you, and this is your business. From invoicing your first client, to your 10th client, to your 100th client, you'll need to get paid quickly. Pretty soon, you'll be ready to hire some help, and you'll need to pay them. As your business grows, Wave is there to grow with you. Hey, we're back. You're on air with Amber. And today we're talking about compliance. We're talking about the things that you need to do as a nonprofit executive director to ensure that your tax exempt status remains active. It's a lot of stuff you have to do. Um, and that's why I tell you all the time that running a nonprofit is running a business. So, we talked a little bit earlier about what, what those things look like. If you um, 
check in the little box below. I'm going to provide you with the free state and compliance checklist. But right now it's time for Ask Amber. And this is where my audience asks me their questions, their pressing questions, and I give you my solution. So let's listen. Hi, Amber. My name is Jason Reed. And I'm calling from Santa Cruz, California. I'm interested in starting a nonprofit for black actors 18 to 25. And I was curious, how much does it actually cost to start a nonprofit? Thanks. So these, this is one of my favorite questions. I love it when a person who hasn't even started their nonprofit organization does the research that's required to understand what that all entails, because it does cost. It costs to start a nonprofit. It costs to run a, a nonprofit. I'm going to say that up front. If you do a, a keyword search, one of the highest um one of the highest responses you're going to get is how to start a nonprofit with no money. You can't, you, you can't, you can't start and you can't run a nonprofit without investing some revenue. But Jason, to specifically answer your question, it depends. Um, it, uh, filing fees are a must for anyone. You can't get around filing fees. Depending on the size of your budget, it can cost you between $400 and $800. And that even depends on the state. This is, I'm quoting California. So if you went high, 800, low, 400. Then you have to um, file for your name. That's only $20. But you also, depending on who's going to submit, I recommend that you get a, a, an, a preparer, a professional who knows what they're doing. Does that have to be an attorney? I'm going to say no, because attorney's fees are expensive. But I'm also going to suggest that you ask around. Ask an organization that's been around for about four or five years at least, who filed your articles of incorporation, right? Um, stay away from the online ones because those are boilerplates and they typically get you into situations later. So, um, but a prepare, the cheapest I've seen is 300 um, the most expensive, which I pay for it, which was 2000 generally speaking, they're between seven and $1,200, right? But then, and this is just a startup, you've got to have your basic systems, right? You got to have your payment systems so that you can take donations. You've got to have a website so that people know where you are and what you're all about. Um, banking fees, things like insurance, Yes, a nonprofit needs insurance. You need directors and officers insurance. You need liability insurance. If you um, if you have a staff, of course, you have salaries. That usually doesn't happen right away, but you've got telephone systems, right? People got to contact you. And no, you shouldn't be using your cell phone because you're a public charity. You've got um, you've got consultants, accountants. You need an accountant to make sure that your 990s are filed. That's not free. Um, so honestly, you can expect in order to start uh, a nonprofit around $2,000. That's a safe bet. That's how much it's going to cost you to start. That means getting your paperwork incorporated. Then you've got to run the organization. And if you go back, um, a couple of episodes, we talk a little bit about um, the investment and um, 
really understanding that there's not all of this grant money waiting for you. It's competitive and you need to have a track record. So not only do you need to know how much it costs, which is about 2000 between 1200 and 2000 um, but also how much it costs to run. I always suggest that if you're thinking about starting a nonprofit, don't start unless you have at least $25,000 um, to work with to get your organization off the ground, because that's what it's going to take to get all of these things in place. Your website, your marketing, um, all of these things that we've mentioned. So if you're trying to start a nonprofit with no money, you're setting yourself up for failure and it's going to be the slippery slope where you struggle. So Jason, between 12 and $2,000 and then to run your organization, I'm going to recommend you have $25,000 to start. So I hope that answered your question. But now we are moving into my most favorite part of the episode where I have the honor of putting the spotlight on nonprofits. As we know, nonprofits are doing the work. They're in the weeds, they're doing it. And it's important that number one, as an executive director, you bring your head up out of the weeds so that you can do all of this visioning that's necessary. But I got you, no worries. The other thing we want to do is make sure that you get visibility. Number one, so that your clients or customers know what you're doing, where you are, where to find you, but then also so that funders can find you. So it is my hope that by shining a light on some of the amazing organizations that are out there doing the work, we can do that. We can get you some money because you know my motto, if it don't make dollars, baby, it don't make sense. In this um, episode, we are going to focus on the Alliance for Children's Rights. Um, the mission of the Alliance for Children's Rights is to protect the rights of children in poverty and those overcoming abuse and neglect by delivering free legal services, supportive programs, and systemic sol solutions. And since 1992, this organization has opened the doors for justice for more than 150,000 children, teens, and family. Let's, let's look for more. We are the Andersons. We do everything as a family. That's who we are, that's what we do. The Alliance made everything move smooth. I don't think we could have did it without them. We would probably still be in court right now. We have four of our own and we are adopting four of our nieces. My children were really close to my nieces and nephews and they reached out to our oldest and said they felt like their family was in trouble and they were being abused. Our four came to us as a group, sat us down and said, um, we need you to help our cousins. So pretty much it fell on Kevin because that's his brother. My whole thing was the safety of the children. That's the whole point, the safety of the children. I don't care about anything else. You know, I talked to my niece and nephews, this is really what's going on. And they said yes, they came to stay with us. I already felt like they were my family as soon as I got to the house, since they were the only people who were willing to take me in. I don't need to know all the details. Whatever happened, you'll never be exposed to that again, you know. So the, then the attorney said, hey, I think the best thing for you all to do is to adopt the children, to bring security, stability, to feel like they're part. You're loved and nobody can take that away. 
We didn't understand what, what takes place, the paperwork, the finance, it, all of that. I was tired. I was tired of the fight. I was tired of the system and everything else. And then uh, when the Alliance came in, it was like it started becoming a smooth sailing. Having the Alliance and some of the other resources reach out to us, because we didn't know who to reach out to, having them reach out to us made it possible. Everyone took care of those children. And you know, when you, they say a village, that became a village. The Alliance, it was just such an outreach and it all responded to this house. Went before the judge and she asked us if we still want to adopt and we said yes. And she asked the children, did they still want to be adopted? And they said yes and the attorneys started talking and it was over. Everybody started crying because of you, literally everybody. <laughs> After the video turned off, I, everybody started crying because I was Including getting emotional. Me. I asked Kathleen, what are you crying for? And she said, nobody can take us away and nobody can say that you're not my mom anymore. So by the, giving them, adopt, adopting them, we were able to give them that one thing that made them feel like they were home. So basically now, I just consider everybody my family and it doesn't really change the way I feel about them at all. Because the they're family, obviously. <laughs> if they're already family, what, what else do we have to add to it? They are very nice parents. They are very open-minded. When I think of Auntie Uncle, I think like they differ. Like Uncle's the old-fashioned, strict parent. Auntie Chell's more of the easygoing, you're my friend, yes. but I'm the baddest bee in the house thing. So they kind of eat each other out. They're like yin and yang. So now they really know that we are their parents, and that's because of the alliance. Well, I can't think of myself without my siblings. No matter how much they get on my nerves, they're still my siblings. I'm a good singer so far, but without being in this family, I wouldn't even know what singing really was because we didn't really get out much. He's basically asking what you want to be when you grow up, child. Me? Star, obviously. I'm going to be a star anyway. <laughs> I love that video. And I love the work that the Alliance for Children's Rights are doing. I hope you could tell from that video that they're making an impact in children's lives. Their efforts are focused in three main areas. Free legal and social services for children and young adults impacted by foster care, training and education for those who work with or care for these children, system-wide policy reform to change policies to improve children's lives. To support this organization, please visit www.allianceforchildrensrights.org. Thank you so much for all of the impact that you're, you're making in this world. You can see that from the video. So, yes, you know what? The world needs nonprofits. It's there's no doubt about that. So the work that you're doing is extremely important. Um, and there's a lot, there's a lot that goes with running a nonprofit. It's a perfect segue for my mindset minute. In this mindset minute, um, I'm going to talk to you from the question of what am I supposed to do now? What am I supposed to do now? I've had this question come up after um, people have participated in some of my webinars where I'm sharing with them what is all entailed in running a nonprofit. 
you know, people start nonprofits with their passion and their heart thinking, you know, I'm going to help my community, but really thinking it's going to be easy, right? Start the nonprofit, get the grants, not understanding all that is entailed, building the infrastructure, um, putting together systems and, and processes and fundraising and the skills that is required. And I've had people say, I didn't expect all of this. I didn't know it took all of this. And I nod my head and I'm like, I know it's a lot of work. And here's the thing. You go into this nonprofit because you want to do the work. But in order for the work to be done, you have to run the organization. And a lot of people don't realize that. I didn't realize that when I started my consulting business, right? You can ask me anything about nonprofits and I want to help nonprofit founders and executive director. That's my jam. That's where I get excited. This is what I know. But hunty, come to find out. I got to. I got to do advertising. I got to do social media. I got to, I have an accountant. I have um, an attorney, insurance. Like I know about all of that. So I get it. But here's the thing. Here's the question. What am I supposed to do now? There are three things that you can do now that you know. Now that you know that this requires work, you can one, educate yourself. There are so many resources out there. Um, and if you have been paying attention to my sponsors, I try to provide you with free, free, um, resources, nonprofit ready. You can go and you can get certifications. You, um, can also go to my website, um, amberwin.net and you can get resources. There are tons of resources, but what you can't do is stick your head in the sand and act like you don't have to. Your organization will never grow. It will never flourish and you won't set yourself up powerfully to get consistent funding. The second thing that you can do, um, so the first is to, is to get your skills, get trained and, um, you know, position yourself to run your organization like a business. The second thing you can do, if you know that you don't have the skill set, and let's just be real, I'm real about mine. If you want me to do numbers, mm -mm. if you want me to do technology, mm -mm. so what do I do? I pay somebody to do it, right? It has to be done. You can't get around it. So the second thing you can do is to, to hire someone who can do the work. Now, this is a challenge sometimes for my founders because they start these nonprofits and they think that they're their businesses. We've already covered that. They are not. A nonprofit is a pub public charity and you can't own it. Not a person, not an entity. But when you found a nonprofit, it's really hard to have somebody to come in and run it who has the skills because you feel like you're releasing it. You feel like you're no longer in control. You feel like you're inviting somebody in to take over your organization. And what I'm going to say to you is this, you can keep it small and you can keep in control of it, but you're not doing your community the service it deserves. Bring somebody in who knows what they're doing. You do what your jam is. You let them run the organization and then the community thrives. If you are stuck in what's called um, a founder syndrome where everything is kept small and kept close to the vest because you don't want somebody to come in and take over your organization, you are not serving your organization. The last thing you can do now that you know and you realize this is not what you signed up for, um, either you don't have the skill set, the wherewithal, the funding, all of that's fine. For me, I want you to get to that place sooner than later. If you realize you don't have the time, the energy, the wherewithal, whatever, that is good. Now we have stopped you from 
um, investing more of your time, investing more of your money, you can shut it down now. So the last thing you can do is to dissolve your organization. And people are like, what? You're telling people? Yes. You know why? If you have passion and you want to be in the community, you don't have to have a nonprofit to do that. You can go volunteer, sit on somebody's board. You can create a donor advice fund. There's so many things, other things that you can do to support your community besides starting a nonprofit. I tell people all the time, you can't just walk away from your nonprofit. You need to dissolve it. There is a process for that because it's a public charity. But if you know this is not what you want to do, stop spinning your wheels. Dissolve your organization and go go be a part of something else where somebody else who um, have the skill sets and, and the resources to run it, you can partner with them and help to make their organization stronger. There's no shame in that. You leverage what you've learned and you move on. The, the bottom line is, where is your commitment? If your commitment is to improving the community, you're not going to keep this little thing going that's not really serving. It's just serving your ego, right? So I am about strengthening the community. So you have three choices, right? Now that you know, do better. If you can't do it and you don't have the skill sets, hire somebody. And if it's just too much, dissolve the organization. But at the end of the day, make your decision about how you're going to impact your community. I know that's like a little rough, but it's real because all you're going to continue to do is sink more and more money in it. And it's not going to get any better because there are rules around running a nonprofit and people try to get around it and they end up in the same place. So cut your losses, um, go back to school, take some courses, improve your skill set. The more you know, the better and stronger your organization is. That's my mindset minute. I know it was a little bit more than a minute this time, but it's really important. It's really important because as I started off by saying the world needs nonprofits, but not just any old raggedy nonprofit, the world needs nonprofits that's going to get in there and do the work and make the difference in your community. All right. All right. So that is compliance part one. We talked a little bit about um, all that you need to do to keep your organization in good status with the IRS, the state, the local levels. Make sure that you click on that link and get your free nonprofit compliance checklist. And, uh, you know, I'm going to see you next time. But until then, make sure you take care of yourself like you take care of your community. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. Head over to www.amberwin.net slash podcast for the links and resources mentioned in today's podcast. See you next time.